once a month, I go to Sam's Club to get some things in bulk. Things that we need, like uh, olive oil, almonds, peanut butter, paper towels. But what ends up happening is that I start going up and down the aisles, filling up the cart with other items, you know, like that new organic chip, uh, trail mix, Fig Newtons. Soon enough, I, I don't really remember what I was really looking for in the first place. The truth is that that scene plays out right here in our restless hearts, too. We are constantly looking for something, seeking something, desiring something, something beyond ourselves, something deeper, something more, something that we don't have at the moment, something that will enable us to live happier, more purposeful, peaceful, freer, fuller lives. And yet, tragically, our existence often looks like me in Sam's Club. We walk up and down the aisles of life, pushing baskets, overflowing with things, but have still not found what we really want, what we really desire. And a lot in life boils down to our desires. We like to think we're, we're rational thinking beings whose thinking ability and decisions inform our desires. But it's actually the other way around. Our desires, our longings are not the result of our rational conscious choices. They are the drivers of those choices. Our, our desires, our longings are not the result of our rational conscious choices. They are the drivers of those choices. So significantly, Jesus' very first question in the Gospel of John connects with our desires, with this search in all of us for life and meaning and purpose and happiness, that, that undefined more that we just can't seem to put our finger on. And that's the question God asks us today in part four of our God Question Sermon series. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, grow us and transform us, so that we might live for you and bear fruit for your kingdom. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. This morning's scripture comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 29 to 39. Listen for God's word. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one about whom I said, He who comes after me is really greater than me because he existed before me. Even I didn't recognize him, but I came baptizing with water so that he might be made known to Israel. John testified, I saw the Spirit coming down from heaven like a dove, and it rested on him. Even I didn't recognize him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, The one on whom you see the Spirit coming down and resting is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this one is God's Son. 
The next day, John was standing again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus walking along, he said, look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he asked, what are you looking for? They said, Rabbi, which is translated teacher, where are you staying? He replied, come and see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, it wasn't the most obvious or, or logical question that Jesus could have asked as two of John the Baptizer's disciples began to follow him. John the Baptizer had been preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He and his followers were preparing their hearts and lives for the coming of God's long-awaited and promised Messiah, the one to redeem Israel. In fact, John had already baptized Jesus and made the de declaration that not only was this God's son, but this was the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. Those following John and listening to his teachings were surely looking for God's Messiah and the, and the ushering in of God's kingdom. But what were they looking for in a Messiah? Maybe a new adventure, a, a new experience, looking to make a difference, looking to be a part of a movement to resist Roman rule and, and occupation, meaning to find themselves. Maybe they didn't even know what they were looking for, but think that Jesus can help them know what they're supposed to be looking for. Whatever the case, they're, they're, they're obviously searching for something missing in their lives. Are we that different? Is it possible that they were searching for some of the same things that we desire? That's why this question carries such great power. Call it a taste of the infinite, call it life's ultimate concern. We search for something beyond ourselves. Jesus could have asked, hey, where, where are you going? Or what are you looking for? Or, well, he does ask that. He could have asked, rather, what are you doing? What do you want? Why, why me? But instead he asks, what are you looking for? Because the question aims at the very center of our longings, searchings, desires. It assumes that there is indeed something to look and so when Jesus asks this question, it first shows us that God desires that we have desire. God desires that we have desire. God does not want us to ignore our, our longings, to, to push them to the side or, or to kill them altogether. God's not, nature is, is not to be a, a black cloud on our happiness and our pleasure and our enjoyment of, of life. God is not a gloomy stoic unmoved by, by joy and, and grief, and God did not design us that way either. God is fundamentally loving. God is fundamentally relationship. There is mutual desire and love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and God delights in us, and we're created in God's image. We were created with Desire. God did not design us to go through life and not desire and enjoy the goodness of God and God's uh, creative gifts and blessings. The psalmist writes, in his presence there is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. 
And again, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. In Matthew, Matthew's gospel, Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a, a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. And then in his great joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys the field. So desires in and of themselves are not bad. They're a part of what it means to be human. As a God of, of love and relationship, God created us with desires because desires are what ideally draw us into a closer and or intimate, more intimate union with the source of those desires, God. They're like appetizers, whetting our appetites for the comprehensive main course of God's salvation. And God recognizes that we have them. God knows that we search for what, what will satisfy them. And, and God has no problem giving us the freedom in love to pursue our desires, even as God seeks to draw us down the pathway of our desires to God's own self as the satisfying and, and, and glory, glorious end. So every area of life should, every area of life should be an opportunity for us to be satisfied in God and bring glory to God, should. And so Jesus' question forces us to look deeply within our own hearts and its complex terrain of desires. What are you looking for? By heart, I, I mean the deep center of our being. When we say someone has shared their heart with us, we mean that they've shared the core, the, the sacred and secret depths of who they are. But we, we find it difficult and hard to take that journey ourselves to the territory of our own heart. We dull, distract, deafen ourselves to the cries of our own hearts. We're busy but going nowhere, living superficially but not significantly. Our answer to the question, what are you looking for, is a direct reflection of our desires. We are and become, in many ways, what we desire and love. Our hearts are the seat of our desires. And the question invites us to probe them deeply and determine what we actually are desiring most. And this doesn't come easy. That's evidenced by the disciples' seemingly weird response to Jesus' question. Hey, what are you looking for? And they respond, teacher, where are you staying? We, we find it hard to know what we really desire. First, because we have so many desires. And frankly, the heart is just a tricky place. It's Paul who sums up the terrain of our hearts best when he writes, I don't do what I want even when I know what I should want. And I do the things I don't want to do because on some register, a uh, part of me still wants that. Our hearts are a hotly contested terrain of desires. And, and the trouble is we may not desire what we think we desire. We may not love what we think we love. I mean, think about it for a second. When we, when we fail to act in ways that are consistent with the ways of Jesus, is it because we don't know what to do? Or is it the case that we actually have the knowledge 
we, but we lack the desire. C.S. Lewis famously said that, that when we actually examine our hearts and the overwhelming goodness and grace of God, what is revealed is not that our desires are too strong, but too weak. And so when Jesus asks us, what are you looking for? Perhaps our answers, frankly, are either too small or simply out of order entirely. Lewis writes, indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by an offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. If, if we really probe the depths of our hearts like this question invites us to do, my hunch is that we realize deep down that the Eden-sized hole that we have can only ever really be filled by desires that find their satisfying end in Jesus Christ. The tricky part is recognizing that our desires are pathways formed in our hearts not by what we think, but by our habits but through habits. When Jesus asks, what are you looking for? It should make us ask, how am I ordering or curating my heart? How am I ordering or curating my heart? In other words, what, what rituals am I giving myself over to? What, what practices am I allowing to shape my desires, perhaps without even realizing because we're creatures of desire, we're also creatures of habit. Again, God made us that way, and the two are fundamentally connected. That's exactly what our desires are, really. They're heart habits, things that are more caught than taught. The things that we do over and over again, the routines, the practices, and rhythms we do, also do something to us and in us, creating these little desire pathways in our hearts. Our family loves to go hiking in the woods. Sometimes our boys follow the well-traveled paths and trails. Sometimes they forge their own pathways. In a book about walking called The Old Ways, British writer Robert McFarlane says that paths are the habits of a landscape. Paths are the habits of a landscape. Paths are the grooves humans cut into the crust of the earth, the channels we, we forge through our environment. City planners design such paths. We call them sidewalks. But McFarland says town planners also look at the city from above and recognize what they call desire paths. The lines of packed ground and grass across the middle of parks that signal a population wants to go this way, even though the design path takes another route. A plan says, hey, you should go this way. A desire path is the result of people saying over and over and over again, too bad, we want to go this way. Jesus' question, what are you looking for, is like learning to walk on the right desire path. The one that Jesus has actually perfectly forged 
through our human environment and the landscape of our hearts. One that leads to eternal and everlasting joy and fullness and meaning and life. A pathway further created by the shared rhythms and practices of the body of Christ, the church, Jesus' gift to us. What we do and say in worship, communion, prayers, reading scripture, small groups, committed generosity, sharing the good news, inviting others, loving and serving our neighbors in the community. The more we devote ourselves to these practices and these rhythms, the more we will discover and forge more deeply the true desire paths of our hearts. And the more deeply we can answer Jesus' question, what are you looking for? Until our hearts and desires are fixed and fixated first and primarily on Jesus Christ, our hearts will never, ever find what they're looking for. So it's an invitation not to squelch desire, not to squelch our desires, but to rightly order them. And so even more special than those trails in the woods that my boys love to hike and to take and to make, are the trails that I hope are forged in their hearts. Pathways of desire ultimately leading to joy in Jesus Christ. What are you looking for? You know, I confess, as I I watched the, the inauguration this week, I could not help but wonder, since this was the question for the week, what does it mean for Jesus to ask us that question right now? What are you looking for, America? It's kind of haunting. What do you deeply desire? And is it what you think? And what is shaping your desire? What what if Jesus is inviting us not just to look into our individual hearts for the desires that, that live there, but our collective hearts? even as a nation what what if jesus is inviting us to begin stepping into and even forging if necessary pathways of desire through shared practices that actually lead us toward unity truth justice love so what are you looking for this day what are you looking for Jesus is ready to be the answer in the comprehensiveness of his love, whatever it might be. Jesus has come to quench every thirst, satisfy every hunger we could ever have in our hearts and souls. Come and see. Come and see is his invitation to the disciples and to us, no matter what our answer to his question is. I mean, just look at the rest of John's gospel. Are you looking for peace? Jesus says, I have overcome the world. My peace I give to you. Are you looking for forgiveness? Jesus stands in your shame and says, I do not condemn you. Are you looking for hope? Jesus says, I'm the light who shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. Are you looking to be heard and that you matter? Jesus stands with you at the well of your isolation and loneliness and gives you a taste of the living waters of his eternal presence and company. Are you looking for healing? Jesus says, get up. 
and be made well? Are you looking for salvation? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Are you looking for love? Jesus says, here, let me wash your feet. Are you looking for true satisfaction? Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry again. Are you looking for your way? Jesus says, I am the way. Are you looking for truth? Jesus says, I am the truth. Are you looking for new beginnings? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. May all our roads of desire find their true end in Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.